But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Probably... Here, you're all businessmen here. Don't it make them better citizens? Doesn't it make them better customers? You, you said that they... What'd you say just a minute ago? They, they had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait? Wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them? Until they're so old and broken down that they... Do you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's galling you. That's what you're talking about, I know. Well, I, I, I've said too much. I, you're, the, you're the board here. You do what you want with this thing. There's just one thing more, though. This town needs this measly one-horse institution, if only to have some place where people can come without crawling to Potter. Come on. Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek. And I'm Ryan Cooper. Uh, we're here today with a special holiday episode about um, one of our, uh, I think both of our, uh, among our favorite movies, we should say, maybe Alexi's favorite of all time, but true. Um, an American classic, which, you know, I, I grew up watching this every Christmas. You know, it's it's one that that's like broadcast. Um, you know, I think on network television, it was a real tradition there, but you know, it's a wonderful life. Like every, everybody, I think just about has seen it at least once, if not more than once. And I, I think it, um, it, it, it really holds up. And I think, you know, my, it's one of the few movies that I've seen since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I really liked it. I thought it was a great film. Uh, and I think it, it it's only grown in my esteem as time has gone on, and I've understood some of the some of the nuances and the basic like message of the film has only become more and more relevant over the years. And uh, yeah, we we uh, rewatched it a couple of days ago, um, and um, yeah, it it just uh, it, it it captures something. You know, it's it's almost most brutal of all i think you know we'll get into it watching it during the pandemic and during the presidency of donald trump and the way that it illustrates so much uh so many like like parts of the fabric of american society that used to be there you know in some way or another um you know the 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 thing used to function a lot better than it does today and um it really drives home how much is missing um, in, uh, in our, in our, uh, our, our crumbling imperial monstrosity. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you about it as soon as I can get my cat off my notes here. <laughs> well, I don't, and I certainly don't want to suggest that, um, you know, as with many classic films, there's the caveat that 
that uh, this this is not in the spirit of make America great again, as if there's an atavistic desire to go back to a kind of Eden that that existed or something. And it's it's not about that because no. um, you know as we've talked about whether it was the New Deal and kind of certain kind of racist compromises that had to come with it. Uh, you know our our history as a country has always been fraught, but but more as a as a film that that has a message and captures a kind of spirit and a kind of um, understanding of of how humanity and society and um, political action really should uh, should function to, to serve people and to serve uh, kindness and, and, and love and sacrifice rather than, than greed and, and corruption and ugliness. Uh, I think it's kind of, you know, a, a poignant and, and meaningful film to capture a certain kind of Christmas spirit that uh, in, in, in the depths of the pandemic, there have been a lot of beautiful, uh, sacrificial, uh, things that have been done by people, but also a lot of kind of ugliness and, and of course, of course, the failure of the of the state in so many ways that's reflected a kind of ugliness and a kind of corrupted spirit that is the opposite of uh, the Christmas spirit that uh, that I think provides a, a good basis for discussion about what this film can could teach us today and, and why, at least for me, it was quite an emotional experience to, to rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, with some kind of like introductory mar- remarks out of the way, um, we we could, you know, kind of go through it. May, you know, maybe folks haven't seen her. Maybe they they haven't seen it in a long time. Right. Um, go over the plot. But kind yeah, of the, you know, so so it's about a, a fellow named George Bailey. He's the protagonist. George Bailey's the son of a uh I guess you'd call him a, a financier. He's a he's a savings and loan yeah, guy. Yeah, he he runs a savings and loan. Those things used to be much more common back in the day. But you know, basically taking money from uh, taking money from savers and lending it out, doing your classic financial intermediation, and um, uh, to 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 build homes. And uh, you know, he, he he this this fellow George's father. Uh, is always struggling against a you know capitalist banker named Mr. Potter, um, who who starts the movie when when George is very young um, as like an old guy with white hair in a wheelchair and ends the movie as the exact same old guy in white hair you know just sort of like the the right. ageless capitalist who's always the same and who never has any scruples uh, ever. But so you know. Basically, you know, George has to, uh, you know, spoiler alert, George has all these big ambitions, (laughs) ambitions. Um, He wants to go to college. He wants to travel the world. And he keeps Mm -hmm. not being able to do that because things in his his hometown, Bedford Falls, if uh, I forgot to mention, the circumstance Mm -hmm. keeps pulling him back. He wants to go to Europe and then his father dies and he has to, like, clean up affairs and then, you know, he makes this noble speech saying, don't give the building and loan to, to Mr. Potter because he's just going to turn it into this like slumlord thing. And then they say, OK, but you have to run it. And so he has to give that up. And then his brother comes back and he and, you know, he's going to marry this this uh, lady whose father's going to give him a great job. And so, um, 
Uh, and he, meanwhile, and back back up a second because meanwhile he let his brother go to college right, because yes. there wasn't enough money. There wasn't enough money for both of them to go to college. So so he put off for four years working at the savings and loan, right, yes. so his brother could go right. Uh, and then his brother was supposed to take over when he came back, but because he got married, his his new father in law offered him this new job and an opportunity. And and so George again defers to the good of his of his brother and gives up his his dream once again. Right, a yeah. recurring theme. He never goes to college. He marries his, you know, a, a high school sweetheart or, you know, a, a, a local girl. They live in a sort of drafty old house, you know, that she fixes up. And, you know, it, it's it's a, a tale of sort of frustrated ambition, right? You know, there's, there's l- many more details to it. Um, but, you know, George is a guy who or sort of grew up on tales of adventure. They're, they're, as a kid, they show him, you know, reading National Geographic. And, and right. he, you know, he's right. making all these plans. He wants to do something big. There's a scene where a, a critical scene, actually, I think, where he's talking to his father uh, before he mm-hmm. dies and telling him, you know, it's like if I if I had to spend my whole life trying to save three cents on a length of pipe, I think I'd bust, yep. you know. Right. And his right. dad's like. Well, in a small way, I think we're doing a bit of good, you know, and I think that Matt yeah, and and, uh, you know, he gets roped into basically doing the same thing as his father did. And, uh, you know, that's sort of where it stands. There's a famous like like the 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 big uh, conflict in the plot comes when um, George's uh business po- uh, partner uncle billy loses he is a notoriously forgetful guy like basically incompetent business but drunk yeah, yeah d- drinks too much can't remember anything uh he loses eight thousand dollars he accidentally gives it to mr potter who of course keeps it um mm-hmm. and then you know the bank examiner is going to come by by the way isn't that a quaint little thing imagine a bank examiner coming and immediately finding when someone has an eight thousand dollar loss that they can't explain <laughs> yeah. that like oh you're yeah. gonna go to jail because you broke the law as a banker but wow it, is, isn't is, but is it isn't isn't there something quite accurate though about how like the people with less like L- lady fortune seems to screw them over whereas the yeah. potters of the world the potters of the world are not only like mendacious and actually bad actors and contributing to the harm of and of oppressing and miserating people, but but they are, are not caught when he. I mean, he basically stole the eight thousand dollars, right? He basically he did. like, yeah, yeah. He he got it by by accident, but he you know it, it, it's like you found a wallet on the street or something, and and you picked it up and you knew who it was and yeah. you didn't give it back. I mean, that's no different from taking it. Yeah. Um, and, and instead, he uses that misfortune of Uncle Billy in order to set up George Bailey, uh, who, of course, of course, in, in, in like George fashion, um, just immediately takes the blame, right, for the missing money. Yeah. Well, that, he, he tells Uncle Billy that he's, you know, it's like some this means scandal in prison and somebody's going to yeah. pay for this and it's not going to be me. But then he uh, takes yeah. he, he takes it all no, on his man. shoulders. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so he's going to kill himself. He's thinking about killing himself because he has a life insurance policy. And then this angel comes down and the angel flings himself into the into this river, you know, or on the bridge where he's standing at, knowing that George's, you know, selflessness will kick in and he'd jump in and save him because that's what he does. He can't help himself. Um, 
George says he wishes that he'd never been born and um, the angel grants his wish and he sees what would have been, what would have become of Bedford Falls had he never been born. And the answer right. is that like he, uh, uh, Bedford Falls uh, got the shock doctrine neoliberalism done to it. Yeah, it's Pottersville. It's, yeah. It became Pottersville. It yeah. Became Pottersville. It's run as an economic dictatorship. It's a very harsh and unforgiving place. This is a Cruel. little yeah. bit uh, uh, sort of cliched in the way that it's presented because it's all like, ah, speakeasies and girls, girls, girls and dancing. And it's like, oh, this is, you know, so it's like. The, the indications of, of what, of what me, what, uh, you know, sort of bad society means is a little bit out of date, but what they're gesturing sure. at, what Capra, Frank, Frank Capra, the director, I haven't mentioned that either. He's gesturing at is this is a, this is a place where like the social contract has been destroyed deliberately and yes. people don't look out for each other anymore. And sure. it's all about like short-term hedonism and the fuck the poor and we don't care about anyone but ourselves and our, you know, our short-term kicks. Well, and frankly, the, the causation is pretty easy to see because no one, the Baileys basically were the only force that countered Potter's ability to basically, like neoliberalism, destroy every social fabric and to take over every institution um, in town, right? And, and so, like, you, you could easily say, well, of course Potter would have the speakeasy and the girls, 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 and all, because those are the things that would make the money, right? Like, yeah. it, it's purely it's purely because these are the things that would create a lot of consumption, particularly in a way that would be high profit margins. It just so happens that those very kinds of things would also destroy certain relationships and small businesses and certain ways of life um, that that happened to, to coincide with kind of corroding the soul at the same time and and becoming more like Potter in in the in the doing of it right um, but but so so you have this this image of a whole city and then again this this brings me back to like Plato's Republic like the the the, the soul in the city is like a microcosm and macrocosm and so this the, the Pottersville is just like a macrocosm of uh, what happens to to certain individuals that become unrecognizable to George and uh, who they've become right and, and they're still the same people, but because he wasn't in their lives and because he didn't influence other people who influenced them, you know, you see how like you pull the thread, right? And that like dissembles, right? It, it just kind of tears apart, like you say, the social fabric in a way. Um, and, and it's this dystopian vision that I think is, is really terrifying, but I think convincing to me. Yeah. Anyway. No, we live in Pottersville now. Our society mm -hmm. sucks in the same way that Pottersville sucks, basically. And yeah. and I think the interesting thing is that it's it's not a the politics of it are not Marxist in any real sense, but it is a kind of like economic determinist picture of society. Um, you know, the it 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 says, you know, with this counterfactual that everyone's character is to a very great degree uh, downstream of their economic circumstances. That's the end of the preview, folks. If you want to hear the whole episode, you can go to patreon.com slash left anchor. Thanks for listening.